Here's a message from Ken Lavica. The Super Bowl has come to an end. The confetti has been cleaned up and Kanye's taken off that weird poked through mask. The Rams are champions, but were they the best team in football? Stone the Banowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Programs. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Did the best team win the Super Bowl? Did the best team hoist the Lombardi Trophy Sunday night in Los Angeles? I think it's a legitimate question. I think that it's least worthy of discussions. You know what, damn it, we're going to do it. The decision's been made. Ken Levick alive Tuesday here on ESPN 106.3. Tuesday means it is day number two this week of Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, Stone Lebanowitz Friday Night Lights. He's at the controls until 2 o'clock here on ESPN 106.3 in the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios. Downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off of the still too cool for my liking, yet sunshiny intricate. Coastal. Bill Simmons, the ringer, he has his Bill Simmons podcast, Theo. He raised a question yesterday that I found interesting. It caught my attention. And we've talked a lot, Theo, about the Rams and the star power. And they went and got their quarterback. They brought in Odell Beckham. You had Aaron Donald along the defensive line. They were all in, right? Like that was the discussion going into the Super Bowl is it was the Bengals upstart team and the Rams, the team that pretty much the, the, the team that pretty much sort of sold their financial souls for one shot at this thing. Right. And it's they it, it was purported as they built their team like an NBA team. Mm-hmm. Um where buy, you buy, sell, buy. Yeah, yeah. You sell assets, buy players, yep. people that can win now. But the difference is uh, it's the NFL, and we've seen in the past dream teams don't work, super teams don't work as much, so the Rams being able to make it through and get to the Super Bowl was big, but let's not forget they were a four seed. Yeah. Let's not forget they were maybe, yeah. even if you're being generous, the third best team in the NFC. Kind of feels like the Rams, if you're talking super teams in the NFL, I mean, they're the ones who actually came through. I can't remember. I mean, I suppose the Buccaneers last year were, for all intents and purposes, a super team, right? Well, a bunch of short-range contracts coming together, maybe a bit aged to take a shot at it with an all-time great. Yeah, I, I think the Buccane- The difference with the Buccaneers is it didn't really feel – those guys were way past their prime, uh, aside from Leonard Frenette, like the guys they brought in. They brought in Antonio Brown, who Bronk. was like a little off of it. Yeah. Bronk way past his prime. And Brady was a big pickup, but the rest of that Bucks roster was already kind of in place. It didn't feel like what the Rams did um, as much, but you might be right. It's very similar now that I say it out there, loud. It's, but you're right. Super teams are different in yeah. the NFL it, it, because it's such a big roster, because it's so many guys on one side of the ball. But I think the Bucks probably fit that. The Rams definitely fit yeah. that by definition. Bill Simmons, though, on his podcast, the appropriately named Bill Simmons podcast. BS. He the BS. Yeah. He was he was discussing the best team in the NFL. The best team all season long. And it was it was not the Rams. Here's what Bill Simmons had to say. 
if the bill if the Bills just handle that 13 seconds, I think they had the best <laughs> team. Like if you're yeah. gonna say if you're gonna rank the teams, we just watched a whole 17 game season that was felt too long, mm-hmm. and then the postseason, and you're leaving the season, you're like, who had the best team? I think it's probably Buffalo. He says the Bills were the best team, period, in football. They handled their business against the Chiefs. They'd be the champions, and it wouldn't even be a discussion. The best team, which doesn't always happen, but the best team won the championship in football. And listen, I I like the Bills. I like Josh Allen. I was transfixed by them. I still like their fans throwing themselves through tables. I like Bills Mafia. I wish they would have beaten the Chiefs. They are fun when they're fully executing. But I'm sorry. A team that at one point in the season lost narrowly to Tampa to a point where we felt so bad for them, we said, oh, maybe that's a good moral victory. A team that lost to Jacksonville this year, couldn't find the end zone. The Bills are exciting. But in a 17-game season, including the playoffs, those things that happened to them, to me, disqualifies them from being the best team in football. For me, the best team in football this year also wasn't the Rams, but it was the squad who had the top seed in the NFC. It was the squad that had the now back-to-back MVP in Aaron Rodgers. It has the best receiver in all of football, Devontae Adams. It has the formidable run and pass defense. It has the solid running game. Unfortunately, special teams is a part of it, and they fail miserably there. But for me, I think the Packers were best equipped, and through the regular season, the best team in football. I disagree with Bill Simmons. The Packers were the best team in football this year. Well, I think you almost just undercut your argument as you were going through it when you tried to like kind of just glaze over the fact that they had a historically bad special teams, and that's the reason why they were bounced in the postseason. Like the offense didn't lose that game, the defense didn't lose it. It was the special teams giving up a block punt, giving up a block field goal, and they literally lost the game on special teams. It's tough to win game after game, especially in the playoffs with a with a poor special teams. I think that's the the great flaw of the Packers. That's why I wouldn't I, I couldn't pick them as the best team in the NFL. Okay. That's, that's a tough call for me. Okay. Plus you have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who is who has flamed out in the postseason like the past decade. Okay. What Josh Allen has what? Two playoff wins? Yeah, how many does Aaron Rodgers have? More than two. <laughs> including know, the Super yeah, Bowl yeah. championship. I'm talking about the past decade, though. So I mean, okay. I, I get what you're saying. I, I, the Packers have a really strong roster. They have Devontae mm-hmm. Adams, best receiver in the league. I still, if it was a playoff game right now, because I think there's two ways to phrase this question. Who has the best team mm-hmm. and who would you trust? Like, let's just say if we were making up a our own Super Bowl 56 and we're putting the Packers and the Bills in it, uh-huh. who do you think comes out of that game the champion? In the, in the Super Bowl, I know you want to talk about the regular season game where the Bills lose to the, Je- or the Jaguars or whatever. It, it was a trap game. They fell asleep, whatever. It didn't matter. In the Super Bowl, when it matters most, Bills versus Packers, if the Bills take? played the trash bag pass defense they did against Kansas City, I'm taking the Packers in that game. I mean, that was an epic. We're the best in the NFL. Oh, we're vomiting all over ourselves. And, oh, we lost. Like that. If they're playing that type of defense, then yeah, I'm taking the Packers and I'm taking the veteran MVP quarterback. Yeah, that's a. That's a. I mean, that, that's your call. For me, if I were to pick the best team in the NFL, as much as I don't want to do it. 
I, I more so play it by those rules. If we're talking, we're going in a Super Bowl, a one-game take-all situation. A one-game hypothetical. A one-game hypothetical, best team. I, I still, if you had to tell me to pick one NFL team, it would be the Chiefs. Okay. It would be the Chiefs. Like, I would I would ride with Patrick Mahomes, sure. Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, a healthy Tyron Matthew. Because remember, in that Bills game, they were up nine before Matthew goes down and has to sit out, and then mm-hmm. they start torching their defense. Um, an energized and maybe a, a Chris Jones that doesn't, like, that's the one thing, too. Like, if Chris Jones finishes that sack on Joe Burrow, we're, we're not having this conversation. Like, no. There's so many little things the Chiefs did that where they vomited over themselves in the AFC Championship game, whereas the Chiefs probably should have been the eventual champions this year. I'll ride with the Chiefs. Best team in the NFL. Who is the best team in the NFL? Was it the Rams who actually finished on the podium? They hoisted the trophy. They had the confetti falling around him. Was it the Packers with the two-time MVP that I think had the most momentum and probably uh, the, the highest expectations going into the postseason? Or was it the Chiefs because Mahomes is the ultimate X factor? I'm riding or dying with that guy in the NFL. Or was it someone else, some, some completely other team? Who was the best team in the NFL this season? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And you can tweet at us at KLV1063 on Twitter. But again, 888-760-3776. What about you, Stone? Who did you think was the best overall team in the NFL? For me, I'm looking at it as far as who would I least want to play. And that's kind of what Theo mentioned. And, and for me, it's the Chiefs. And I know how that game came down to the wire with Buffalo. But this playoff run and all regular season, I stand Green Bay. And I was an Aaron Rodgers fan, and I wanted them to go all the way. So let's just say I'm a Packers fan. Who would I least want to play? And well, I, I think the answer would be San Francisco. And unfortunately, <laughs> they played San Francisco. It definitely is. But but I think it's the Chiefs. I think when it matters most, and yeah, you can pinpoint where teams lost, you know, where they dipped in the regular season. I mean, Tom Brady lost to Taylor Haneke in Washington. Mm-hmm. I mean, every team has that loss. Tennessee lost to the Jets and Zach <clears throat> Wilson. But I think that for me, it's the Chiefs. When it comes time, when it comes playoffs, in those moments, it's the Chiefs. I just think they're just too strong down the stretch, and now at this point, they're used to being you know, down deep in the playoffs. So the, the second-half meltdown was an anomaly uh, against the Bengals. That is something that it cannot be or will not be often repeated. That was completely isolated. The Chiefs were the best team in the NFL, even if they didn't really truly have an, an offensive identity for the first five to six weeks of the season. Right. I, I think they've been in those situations before. I think they've proved to us that they can come back, win down, no matter the point of the season. So I just think that there's a lot more confidence to be had in the team that's shown us they can come back and that they've won Super Bowl. Here's where I choose the Packers, though, because, again, they lost to a team that came a play away from beating the eventual champions the very next week in uh, in the playoffs. Same could be said for the Chiefs Okay, but in the it, Super Bowl. Absolutely, but I, what I'm saying is the Packers also, again, had a team that remained wildly consistent through the regular season. They went and they threw the ball, they ran the ball, they played good defense, they steamrolled through their division. There was never talk of moral victories. There was never talk of what are they after week one, a weird game they played against the Saints in Jacksonville. So for me, they were the most consistent team. They were the team that you knew you were getting on a week-to-week basis, and then they got into the postseason. They're Biggest flaw 
arguably their only flaw, came back to bite them. They lost to a team that was a bad matchup because of how epically physical they were, and the 49ers came a play away from beating the Rams, the eventual champions, and going in. So I just think when you you bring all of this into play and you look at teams' flaws, because the Rams were flawed, right? Like The Rams were, there was nothing overwhelming about the Rams, but they were good, and they had the stars, and I think that helped them carry the day. The Bills, they're exciting. Their scheme is outstanding. Josh Allen is an elite star, uh, but they also had uh, issues in the run game. They had issues with offensive identity throughout parts of the season. Did the Bills have issues in the run game? They did have issues in the in run game. In the back game. end of the season, they looked pretty strong in the run but game. In, in the early and mid part of the season, though, before Devin Singletary finally became the feature back, go FAU. Could have told you that, Sean McDermott. Uh, <laughs> then they, they, they definitely lacked in the running game. But, they but were relying of, really heavily on Josh Allen. On top of that, yeah. But again, we're talking about a winner-take-all scenario. We're talking about one game. And the Bills, in those one games, we've seen they're able to rely on Josh Allen to pick up short yardage, and it works really well. I think their run game is sufficient is in this that, NFL. Is that sustainable, though? Do you want in a playoff run? Because... Again, if you're looking at one-game sample size, you want that sample size to be the Super Bowl. There are, at minimum, two games before that to even get to that point. So do you want to be relying every playoff game on Josh Allen's legs well, and him putting his body on the line and making him do everything? Do you Is that how you're going to win? You don't want to, but the Bills kind of won that game against the Chiefs. If you any other team, you go up by a score with 13 seconds left, you won that game. The Bills didn't. It wasn't their offense that was the the fault in that. They just slipped up a little on defense. And we're we're talking about flawed teams, anyways. We're talking about teams that lost in the playoffs, anyway. So I don't think I think out of between the Packers and the Bills, whose loss was a little more excusable, I would lean Bills because I mean it was a miracle. It was something that was unprecedented that happened. The Packers, they just suck on special teams. Here's where I think the Bills discussion is coming from, though, where Bill Simmons is bringing them up. There is this innate desire to love them. There's this innate desire to want to bring the collective Bills community into your football bosom and suckle at your pigskin teat and say, I love you. I love you. I want to raise you. I want to make you my own because they're fun and Josh Allen rules ass and they have these receiving targets and the fan base is objectively Interesting. Even if you're not into throwing yourselves into tables and especially flaming tables, you find them at least interesting. Okay. So I think there's a little bit of favoritism given to the Bills and the way that that playoff game, and you use the word in your right, unprecedented played out, where we're leaning towards declaring the Bills like Bill Simmons is the best team when in reality, they're not quite there yet. Are they good? Absolutely. Are they the best team? No. Now, what's striking about this conversation, where I think the Packers were the best team this year, and you think the Chiefs were the best team, Theo, and Stone thinks the Chiefs are the best team, guess where none of those teams ended up? <laughs> In the Super Bowl. That's the NFL. And that is why so many variables have to come into play to make this thing work. I think to your point, Ken, you're right about them relying on Josh Allen too much down the stretch. And in these situations, we've seen the past three seasons, you know, they've gotten to that point. But really when it comes push to shove, 
Josh Allen is the one they rely on the most, and those aren't the teams that you know that that get to a Super Bowl, get to that level consistently. Like Tom Brady has a mm-hmm. defense that comes through and sets him up in situations. You know they're scoring at the half and they're going to the half with a lead, or at least he has the ball with four minutes left. It seems like with the Bills, it's like all right, Josh Allen, go save us, bro. Go save us, bro. But but they had the best defense in the league. Like, are we going to glaze over that as well? And they still put him in situations. Go save us, bro. Time and time again, it was against the Chiefs. Right, not time and time again. It was against the Chiefs. Let's like we can't. They I'm did not, play. They did play Zach Wilson and Tua oh and uh, <laughs> and Mac Jones six combined times this year. I'm just saying they had the best and Jacksonville where they lost in a game six to three. Yeah, they went against Trevor Lawrence as well. I mean, Tre'Davious White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. No, they were phenomenal. Yeah, they're good. Secondary. They're good. I'm just saying great that, pass rush. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's literally they were the number one team in DVOA on defense. Okay. And then if you look at the offensive side of the ball, your your only gripe is the run game, and they still have a six foot six, eight hundred pound quarterback who can get any short yardage game. And then Devin Singletary came on in the end. I think they have a they had the most complete team. I still would say the best team is the Chiefs, though. Okay. Okay. And that that's fair. I think that I ride with the two time MVP, the guy who has an innate understanding of his scheme. Uh and Joe Rogan on speed though. And Joe, <laughs> da- that's Dr. Joe Rogan to you, Theo. Uh and the best receiver in the NFL. A very good physical run game and a defense that absolutely is one of the best in the in the NFC at the very least. And their flaw was special teams. I just I'm riding with the Packers in the best team as the best team. If you're throwing Rogers playoff legacy out the window well, if you, can, if you have them, no if you have them on an island if you have because you have to do that the playoff legacy has nothing to do with a 17 game sample size in the regular season but we know what he is all right can we talk about the three game sample or the two game sample size we had this year in the playoffs okay. like we know what Aaron Rodgers is in the playoffs that has to factor in because it's not like he's like a Josh Allen okay. where we've only seen it twice over the past decade, he hasn't even reached the Super Bowl. That's true. And, and Josh he's had Allen, a bunch of one seed. Josh Allen's back to back taking an L in Kansas City. In Kansas City, he was at Lambeau. He was at Lambeau against Joe Jimmy Burrow. Garoppolo. Joe Burrow figured it out. And if you're if yeah, we're if we're he big, <laughs> he's but he already he transcended race too. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> he is the he, now. Here's the thing: is Joe Burrow, according to the New York Times, a white quarterback? A black quarterback or a biracial quarterback? He's biracial. <laughs> Joe Burrow is white. He did not transcend the race for anybody out there, including oh, whatever. That Don't New let York the New York Times tell you that Joe Burrow is a black quarterback. Okay, <laughs> just telling you. On Black History Month. Right, right. How disrespectful. I love it. And I think to Ken's point, like, do we know if? Buffalo's going to get over that Kansas City hump. I think we just, are at this point, are sitting and waiting for it. Like, I don't can think they that get matters, over? though, because you can still be the best team and lose to Kansas City because of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Sure. Like, he, he is That's the what happened to the Bills. ultimate regulator. I say the Packers. The Packers were the best team in football this year. Theo's going Chiefs. Stone's going Chiefs. Bill Simmons, the entire center point the epicenter of this conversation he says "Uh, uh-uh, it was the bills they were the best team in the nfl this year the rams not the best team they just happen to be the champions the Bengals, not the best team they just happen to have the lead with two minutes left to go in the super bowl who was the best team in the nfl this year now that it's all over 888-760-3776 888-760-3776 hit us up on twitter as always at klv 1063 888 
760-3776. Ken Levick Alive presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. It's not even a question what the best MBA sport management program is. It's at Florida Atlantic. It's Dr. Jim Reardon. He's been doing it for 22 years. This is a dynasty at this point. Number 19 in the world, according to Sport Business, internationally renowned. That's how big time they are. It transcends borders. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, it is your path to the sports industry. It's how you get in the sports industry industry it is how you get your foot in the door it's how you get your body through the door it's how you get to the upper levels of the sports industry fau.edu slash mba sport that's fau.edu slash mba sport the fau mba sport management program sign up for summer semester and fall semester classes now fau.edu slash mba sport were the rams the best team in the nfl this year not quite sure i don't think so Now that football is over, what was the best team in the NFL? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That and when we return, we're going to have to get Stone Labanowitz's account of his Super Bowl party because it sounded absolutely miserable. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levicka. We take your calls next. We're live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. We are presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. The actual champions, the Super Bowl champions, weren't actually the best team in the NFL this year. I think there's a lot of accurate to that, and that's a team with Matt Stafford, That's a team with Andrew Whitworth. That's a team with Aaron Donald. Mm. That's a team with Jalen Ramsey. That's a team with Odell Beckham. Nothing on the field that they did during the course of the season after the first month would lead you to believe, wow, that's jaw-dropping, transcendent team. They were, what, the the four seed in in the NFC? They had to play on the opening weekend. But star power does matter, even on a 53-man roster. It matters. And that's what helped push them over the top and get them to the place. And I even forgot Cooper Cup. I had an MVP vote. The MVP, Cooper Cup. Right. So just because you have all the best players doesn't mean you have the best team. I still think the Packers were the best team this year based on how they executed, how they played, how they handled business in a 17-game regular season. Obviously, the argument against me is what San Francisco did to them and the Packers special teams. Chiefs? Theo Stone, they say they were the best team in the NFL this year. Argument against them, the team that beat them was two minutes away from a Super Bowl championship. So this could go a lot of ways. One thing, I, it's starting to become clear, though, not many people think the Rams nor the Bengals, the two oh, finalists, no. were the best team in the NFL. What was the best team in the NFL? 888-760-3776, 888 888- 760-3776 and tweeted us at KLV1063. And as always, the disclaimer, it's my personal Twitter account. Don't abuse it or else, well, you get at least muted. Okay. Not blocked, just muted. Yeah, not blocked. I don't block. I don't, don't believe blocker. in that. I don't You're believe like in that. the Bengals O-line. And you can come at me. Yeah. Just don't be overly disrespectful. Okay. But I'll argue with you. It's what I do. It's my social media persona. Jerry's in West Palm. Jerry, you're on Ken Levick Alive. Hey, Jerry. Hey, fellas, I'm, I'm running with Tennessee, and hear me out. 
Please, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. We're, we're planning on hearing you out on this one, Jerry. We're whenever planning you, on it. Whenever you got to say hear me out, yeah. you know you got a yeah, bad yeah, take. So here we go. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Before Derrick Henry got hurt, I, I, Tennessee was, was kind of out of role. And, you know, overall, I really believe Tennessee is a really good team. And if, if you take uh, Lamar Jackson off um, Baltimore and put him on t- with Tennessee with the running game that, you know, they have with Derrick Henry, man, I'm thinking that will be a, a dynamic team. And I'm not a Tennessee fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a New York Giants fan, so let me put that out there. But I really think Tennessee is a really good team. And outside of Derrick Henry getting hurt and, you know, Tannehill is, is so-so, I think they're a really good team. I think, I, to me, they were the best team. Appreciate it, Jerry. Now, and here's the thing, Jerry. I just want to leave you with this. You're saying the best team was good except for the most important position on the field. So that does kind of invalidate your argument. I appreciate the call. He also has poor taste. He's a Giants fan, so it's, it's kind of tough for <laughs> hey, me to... you know what? When you're a Giants fan going through the Daniel Jones experiment, you just find any football solace where you yeah. can get it. And if it comes out of Nashville, so be it. But you can't, you can't say they were the best team. Even though their quarterback was so-so. You can't be the best team and have a so-so quarterback. No. Not in this NFL. No, he was like, you just put you just put former MVP Lamar Jackson on there. And, and they're, they're, got good. they're good. They're good. Be Everything's okay. fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. We're not playing in best team hypotheticals. <laughs> because you could say, oh, well, give the, the Dolphins... Uh, give the Dolphins the, I don't know, the Bills offensive line. Yeah. Okay? And then uh, and actually. Barry Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Bring bring Barry Sanders back <laughs> and uh, go get Jalen Ramsey to line up across from Xavier Howard. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh, uh, uh, Josh Allen coming down to Miami. And, hey, there's the best team in the I NFL. Like, you know what, Ken? I like that team. I think that's the best team in the NFL. Chris Greer, I'm coming for you. <laughs> if I had to defend Jerry in the slightest, at at least I would agree that he has such a good heart. The, yeah, he's nice. It, nice Stone guy. has such a good heart. I, def- like- I definitely do. <laughs> I think this, they have the at least two most important pieces to win a championship or to be whoa, the best whoa. team. And I mean, that's the running game. I mean, wait, wait. They have the two most important pieces to win a championship, and their quarterback is Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I'm two most important pieces other than the quarterback okay, position. Just, right? We're not talking about that. But, you can't be the is, best team. Is the running back? A key piece because I would argue that that uh, he is a complete different variable, not really on the spectrum of running games the, in the NFL. The Rams just won a, the Super Bowl with a running back that fumbled twice in the divisional round game and almost fumbled the game away to Brady. I mean, right. does running back matter? Who who won the Super Bowl last year? That, oh, I guess Leonard Fournette. No, well, but here we go. Here we go. So yesterday, yesterday, uh, Marcus Mosher, I don't know where he's from. Let me check this. <clears throat> he tweeted something about running backs, and it was very applicable. And, of course, you know, Marcus, I'll credit you and your oh, uh, Raiders Wire, okay, and uh, Game Day NFL, content creator there, whatever that means. Uh, but he tweeted, take a look at the leading rusher from the last 13 Super Bowls in their base salary. All right, this year, Cam Akers, $1.1 million base salary. Leonard Fournette, two million base salary last year. Damian Williams, just mm. over a million dollars base salary, twenty nineteen. Sony Michelle for the Patriots, twenty eighteen, four hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Wow. Legarrett Blount, back to back years. Eagles Patriots, seven sixty for the Patriots, twenty sixteen, nine hundred. Got that Super Bowl bump with the Eagles the year <laughs> after. Couldn't even hit a mill base salary though. <laughs> How about C.J. Anderson, your Broncos Woo! Super Bowl champion running back, five hundred and eighty five thousand. Garrett Blount again, seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars. The dude won three Super Bowls. So 
Super Bowl? Yeah, well, it's because the Patriots. Yeah. And then he leapfrogged to the Eagles in between the Patriots championships. Seven, he won three titles, never once had a $1 million base salary out of the backfield. Uh, and, and, so, and then you've got James Starks with the Packers. Totally forgot about that guy Ooh. existing, James Starks, $320,000. And Pierre Thomas, $460,000, Saints 2009. So, again, you do not need a Derrick Henry to be a Super Bowl champion. They invest a lot of money and time on him because he's a freak of nature. Yeah. But do you need a Derrick Henry to win? No. And because you have a Derrick Henry, does it seem? Does it make Ryan Tannehill look that much more undesirable? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, continue with the Titans take, though, because you were going to Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, keep, I had... keep defending, Jared. What are the pieces, Stone? I'd love to hear this. Okay, well, I had one more left. Mm. And it was a defensive-minded coach tagged with a somewhat decent defense. I think when it a comes down defense. the stretch deep in the playoffs, a guy like Vrabel— Well, Vrabel's smart, too. So smart. He, he definitely gives you a benefit on the side. Yeah, with a good defense and a run game. So there's clock management. You know, there's all these things that a running game plus a defense does that for I to win you. a championship. Yeah, they, that, that is applicable because I like Vrabel a lot. You're welcome. Titans, You're welcome, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. I think the Titans, <laughs> the Titans have the perfect play-from-ahead team. They Absolute, have yes. they have one of the best pass rushes with Jeffrey Simmons, well Harold said. Landry. Yeah. They have a quarterback who can get mobile. They have one of the, the best running back in the league, maybe. Can we say that about Henry if he's healthy? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> absolutely. For sure. That's where I was going with yeah. that. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's how good Derrick Henry is. Tootin correct. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't even finish mm. Yeah, it was about to be Theo Dorsey live. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, King but yes, I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN one hundred six three, uh, the free ESPN app as well, and on your smart speaker. Uh, I, I do want to. I do want to uh, uh, ask Stone about what he did on on Sunday because <laughs> Theo. I don't know if you caught yesterday a couple of times. He said that he couldn't. Really hear or see much of the Super Bowl where he was at and he was at yeah. like a Super Bowl party at a, at a at a place what did you do leaving the venue's name because uh, I already almost created enough problems you don't need to create more problems <laughs> for us uh, without using the name of the venue what were you doing Sunday for the Super Bowl so my mom lives in Fort Lauderdale right and I wanted to go you know kind of have a rowdy Super Bowl, so I was like, you a know, rowdy Super Bowl. Who wants that? <laughs> <laughs> he's young. He's, I'm so telling young. you, he's young, man. A 23 year old does. So I'm like, mom, you yeah. know, pick a place. Let's go watch the Super Bowl. So <laughs> wait, oh, a rowdy wait, Super Bowl wait. with your mom? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You brought your mom to a rowdy Super Bowl? <laughs> yes, my mom is rowdy. That is my party oh partner. My oh man, I love it. The Labanowitzes are awesome. <laughs> so she's like, all right, I'll pick a place and we'll get a seat there early because there's gonna be a lot of people there. I'm like, all right, no problem. All right. So I drive down to Fort Lauderdale and I, and I walk into this place. And there's minimum 1,200 people in here. Can't hear anything. So I... I <laughs> COVID bowl. I, oh, yeah. I stepped, I stepped back outside, and I called my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, come get me, because I can't find you guys, and I can't hear you guys on the phone. It was that loud. So we get to our table. Immediately, I sit down. I'm like, hey, how's everyone doing? Nobody heard a word I said. Mm -hmm. So then I'm leaning closer. I'm like, hey, how's everyone doing? No, we can't even hear each other <laughs> wow. on, on either side of the table. <laughs> The commercials are going before. It's like pregame, right? They're doing the pregame show. Can't hear any of the announcers. Nothing. It's just screeching. And I'm like, this is awful. Like, this is awful. We can't hear each other speak. 
this waitress is getting every single one of our orders wrong, bringing us all the wrong wings, all the wrong flavors, all of this. And I'm like, this is literally awful. And then it gets worse. There's a DJ booth set up. And this isn't like a club or anything. It's a sports bar. So this DJ starts playing music. Again, levels are way off, way too loud. Way too loud? Way too loud. So the game starts, right? Kick off. This, this DJ gets on the mic. And we kick off, and he's commentating the game. No, oh, no. <laughs> no, he's not. I feel like that goes against like the DJ constitution. <laughs> yeah. So, so now we're listening to this guy commentate the game from a DJ booth, and we can't hear any of the game. So I'm like, what? well, this is the entire point. Uh, Awful. No. So wait, he was he playing the he was playing music? Yeah. When they would go to timeout, or when uh. like it would be like yeah, like like commercials, he would play like Pitbull and stuff. So we, I got no commercials. Just oh, trying to watch, and then it, it kept getting worse because Matt Stafford on that third down launched that you know that deep ball to Van Jefferson where he was pointing where him to go. He threw an interception. Well, the DJ picks up the mic. Interception. Uh, what? Y- y- uh, in unison, the entire restaurant. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! Like, and it's everyone's up at this DJ. DJ booth telling them to turn it down. So oh, no. we didn't leave. My mom said, what? you know, if you guys weren't coming, we would have already left. But it was the worst Super Bowl experience I've had oh. in my so, entire life. We couldn't hear anything. This raises two questions off of that. One, I just like keep it small, keep it relatively quiet, yes. watch the game. I want to take it in. I want to hear the commentators. I want to see the commercials. I don't like the thought of being around thousands of people at a Super Bowl party. That's one question off of this. Uh, what is more preferable, being around a group of people a big group of people for a Super Bowl party or keeping it small. Two, I need to hear from someone in the DJ industry. And I know that DJs come out to different clubs and bars on Sundays and they're tasked with keeping the energy up when there's not necessarily football going during halftimes, things like that. But why, if you're a DJ, like that's you've got to be real careful with that. Yeah. You know people are there for one reason and you're not the main attraction. You, this is this ain't a Saturday night, okay? At the elbow room, all right. Yeah. This this isn't that. Uh, DJs, DJs, uh, when you're working a game day, what are the rules set forth? Well, DJs, what is your role on game days when you're brought out during football season? Because I truly need to know what Stone describes is unacceptable. You can't have a DJ yelling, it's kickoff, <laughs> interception, no. There was actually one that was worse, so the halftime show went, and then we went to commercial, and he's like, man, Slim Shady was good, but I wish he would have played this, and then he played the real Slim Shady. So like he was trying you know, to uh, steer it all, and as soon as he hit, dropped the beat to that song, I'm telling you the plays, boo, like, shut up, dude, and he was not stopping. He's trying to get like a, a contract somewhere. Yeah. He's trying to get attention or a wedding referral or something. DJs, what are the uh, rules for game days when you go out and work? What are the rules set forth? What is the common DJ protocol during the fall on a football Sunday and especially the Super Bowl? Also, do you prefer to have your Super Bowl party with a ton of people or a small group? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. You can tweet at us at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. When we return, Kyler Murray has spoken, kind of, 
and I don't actually know what he means. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken LaVica. I'm live for now on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. All right, I think just based on Stone's Super Bowl experience, jammed sports bar, a lot of people, but also a DJ, just a few things to unpack here, Theo. Again, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levicka. Uh, Ken Levicka Live presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. I think there are some ground rules that need to be set up here. If you are in charge of a sports bar and you're listening, uh, I think this is important for you to hear, okay? On college football Saturdays, NFL Sundays, NFL Mondays, you under no circumstance need a DJ ever, okay? (laughs) Sports bars don't need DJs. Uh-uh. Not at all in no universe. Wait until football season ends. If it's a random Wednesday night and you're having a quinceanera, fine. Bring out a DJ. Good times. All right? But the only places I would say it's allowed on game days to have a DJ is probably a place, a club. A club that doesn't usually delve into the sports space, but they've deemed it good business to open up and have it available to watch games on a Sunday. But your clientele is used to a DJ being there and used to music being there. So you want to make them comfortable while also presenting a football-watching option and make yourself some money. That's fair, right? Yeah, I like where you're going there. I would say there are certain – so you know what? I'll, I'll specifically talk about spots in Houston. So I'm used to – that's okay. where I used to go out and watch a lot of games. And a lot of the spots I would go to would have – if we have a sports bar that are used to having DJs there, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the best games to watch there are like regular NFL Sundays or uh, NBA playoff nights. And on commercials, they'll light up, the, they'll play songs. Mm-hmm. But those DJs are very excellent because as soon as the game cuts back on, they, they know their role. Shoom, out yeah. of there. They transition out, they turn it all the way up. Now, so, the Super Bowl is tough, though, in the commercials, yeah, you want to view But them. not during the Super Bowl. That's why I say on a typical God, NBA playoffs or okay. like a college game day Saturday or NFL regular Sunday. Nobody cares about the commercials on those days okay. for that, at that same level. Super Bowl, no. You need to play it yeah, all the way sure. through. Like, if I could hear Travis Scott over the LaVitra commercial, yeah. I'm good. We can rock good. out. Yeah, that's and fine. Then, and what, what a, a good DJ, because my big brother is actually a DJ, and he DJed at Super Bowl party, Um, actually, yeah, this year, too. Okay. He DJs Super Bowl parties all the time. And a good DJ, what they'll do is, like, let's say if you're watching a game and it's, let's say like last night, Bengals and Rams, but let's say it's not the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. When it goes to commercial – Let's say OBJ scored a touchdown and it goes to commercial. He'll play a song that has something like that, you know, where maybe Drake references OBJ or okay. something like that. And then everybody's already See, lit and they good. get even All more right. pumped. All right. Something. See, that's good. So that's skill DJing. But during a Super Bowl, like with Stone Lebanowitz and his – I'm sorry for your family, Stone. <laughs> Who's just – yeah, uh, we, apologize, we formally apologize to your family for yeah. their experience. We got a Rams win and we got drunk, so but not that sorry. That helps. But this is, but this is my point. So uh, that's, that's great insight because I was about to take down the whole industry. So I'm glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that you pointed out that there are – sensible DJs that know how to handle that that experience. And that makes sense. I'm behind that. But this is just a broader broader request. DJs, it's not all about you. Okay? It's just not. Uh, The chances of you going and, and rocking out at Bill's Irish Pub 
Friday night at 9 o'clock <laughs> or Sunday at 2.30, the chances of you getting noticed doing that to then becoming a record producer in Beverly Hills for Cardi B, the chances of that are zero, okay? That's not happening. It's not all about you. You have two vital functions, okay? is to keep the party going and to stay the hell out of the way, right? Yeah. Right? You're there to keep the party going so the venue makes money, people keep drinking, and to stay the hell out of the way. And especially when it's the Super Bowl, we don't need you yelling, interception! Hell we no. Know. Yeah. We saw it, jackass. Yeah, yeah. you're not Yeah. You're not uh, Mike Breen. Right, you're not, right. Yeah, <laughs> take like, it easy, yeah. Al Michaels. Go yeah. back, uh, you, you, you know, like we don't, we don't need that type of commentary, okay? You're, you're there for the people. You want to do what they want. Yeah. That's why you're there. That's another thing. I maybe, think for, that's a good point Stone made. Now, maybe the original plan, maybe the owner of this specific spot you went to thought this is a good idea to have the DJ blasting all night. There should have been an adjustment because a DJ is supposed to be also a master of ceremonies. It's supposed to be a, uh, you know, an MC. He's supposed to be able to play to the crowd yeah. and give the people what they want. If everybody's telling you to turn it down, then maybe you should turn it down. Like, yeah. Aren't you supposed to be – it's a service industry. Yeah, didn't didn't the manager of that place tell your family when you asked if he could turn it down? The manager's like, uh-uh, no way. Yeah, we brought him over, and we were like, hey, like, look around. Like, you know, We need to turn it down a little bit. We can't hear anything. And he looked at us as if we were 70 years old and was like, no shot, no shot, lady. What the hell? Weird. Did he call your mom lady or you lady? No, he called. Because that would have been an extra layer yeah. of disrespect. <laughs> no called. shot, lady. I was, <laughs> I was trying to play it cool and uh, let the parents, you know, complain. Just play that card. But, you know, he called my mom lady, and my mom was furious. Oh, my God. Like, again, an essential function for a DJ is to make sure if there someone's headlights are on in the parking lot, give the license plate number. <laughs> oh, yeah, for okay. sure. Uh, That's you, a good one. That's job keep, number one. Yeah, actually. you can keep the party moving, but we don't need your game commentary. Just make sure you have Don't Stop Believing ready to go when someone inevitably requests it. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I respect the industry. I respect the practice. But also, know your role. Okay? Absolutely. Know what lane you need to stay in. And that, that is my conclusion on DJs. Y'all should have started the kill the DJ chant. That's what y'all should have started. We could have. Wait, yeah. what's that? It's not, no, it's, you don't actually kill the DJ, but well, it's like a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have been really extreme. <laughs> yeah, no. But like, it's it's what you start yelling when the DJ sucks at oh, a place. Oh, so they, that's like either the you, ultimate. I've never been a part of that. You've never been a part. So there's two things you can do. If a DJ If a DJ screws up and like the music comes off or cuts off or something like that, <laughs> then everybody does the no music and starts clapping. No music. And they keep doing it so much, even as the DJ is trying to scramble to get his stuff back together. Oh, that no. It it's almost like him. heckling a DJ. Yeah. yeah. And there's also when a DJ just sucks. I love Theo's world, man. Yeah. I just want to be a part of Theo's world. For real. When a DJ sucks, it's kill the DJ. Oh, man. Theo has given me so much insight on refereeing youth sports yeah. and the world of DJing. I have I, I am enlightened every time that uh, that Theo is in here. Um, in check. <laughs> I do want to get to Kyler Murray because uh, I don't know if we're about to have an unlikely name available at quarterback mm. in the NFL. Because we know Kyler Murray's upset. If you were watching ESPN on Super Bowl Sunday, Chris Mortensen reported that Kyler Murray, who has gone on a two-week quest to scrub all of his Instagram of all photos relating to the Cardinals like a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> he looks like one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Except he talks like this. So weird. Uh, but 
uh, people thought that maybe he was up to something with NFTs or there was, but no, this is apparently serious. Kyler Murray is upset. He feels that the Cardinals have dragged him through the mud and sources have, uh, from the organization, have tried to blame him for the late season and then playoff failure as well. Now, news to you, Kyler. The playoff failure... It largely is on you. Like, I don't know how else to say that. Kyler Murray, though, finally ended his silence, as as you do in 2022, and he took to Instagram. He posted the following after the Chris Mortensen report. I play this game for the love of it. My teammates, everyone who's helped me get to this position that believed in me and to win championships. All of this nonsense is not what I'm about, never has been, never will be. Anyone who has ever stepped between those lines with me knows how hard I go. Love me or hate me, but I'm going to continue to grow and get better. What does that mean? Or who asked? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's just reacting to maybe stuff he saw on social media. He doesn't reference the Cardinals. He doesn't say, I'm going to do this for the Cardinals. He doesn't really say anything in that. It's just a bunch of words. Is, Is Kyler Murray going to be available Chris Mortensen said the Cardinals believe this will all blow over, but based on this, this doesn't look like a commitment to the Arizona Cardinals. I'll say something since he doesn't want to say anything. I'm out on Kyler Murray. Oh, <laughs> I'm out on Kyler Murray. Not that I don't want to see him succeed. I just I'm out on caring about his career trajectory. Like there was a point in time where I was like, I really want to see this guy do his thing when everybody was hating on him because he chose football over baseball. Because he's four feet tall. They said he's too short. They yeah. said he can't play. I mean. And I was, like, rooting for this guy. He's from Texas. Like, I'm trying to show love. But now I kind of don't care because he always did have this really moody appeal about him where he's, like, you can't – he looks like – he's always, like, kind of whimpering. Mm-hmm. He's it's brooding. Weird. He broods often. It's really weird. It's yeah. weird vibes. So I'm, like, if I knew this guy in real life, would I actually like him? Probably not. That's a good point. <laughs> and, then, and then this BS to go along with him scrubbing his Instagram yeah. of all car- – like, come on, man. I don't have time for well, that immature BS. If – if he does go the extra step to say, I want out of here. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Uh, and he becomes available. I mean, let's just think of some of the name quarterbacks that might be available wow. this offseason. Uh, Deshaun Watson, he's perpetually available at this <laughs> point, right? Uh, Russell Wilson, that rumor is always there. It's always in existence. I suppose Aaron Rodgers, right? Like we can yeah. count him as a a potential name. Is there anybody else I'm forgetting here that that might be sneakily available? A name quarterback? I don't think so. Um, I don't think I mean, I'm missing anyone. Tom Brady wouldn't really. Nah, of, uh, uh, let's he's, just stick he's with retired. active. That's always yeah. out there potentially. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are, there is another guy. I don't know why I can't. Th- uh, uh, Baker Mayfield should be available. Well, he should be, but he immediately what I'm about to ask. He goes to the bottom of the <laughs> yeah, list, so yeah. I don't even think he's a factor here. But if between Rodgers, Watson, Wilson, and Murray, if Kyler Murray makes himself available, where does he fit within those four names in terms of desirability? Because honestly, if you're looking for someone long-term, someone who can make an immediate impact, I would probably put him at the top. Someone who can give you something right away. He obviously needs experience. He needs some, some ripening. But he's also a young, long-term option that exceeds the baggage of Deshaun Watson, the age and diminishing returns of Russell Wilson, and obviously the age and the desire to, I think, eventually get out of the game in Aaron Rodgers. I think Kyler Murray's at the top of that list. He'd be the most sought-after, we-can-go-get-that guy quarterback. I agree, and I think Seattle and Green Bay, I don't know which one says no. 
to that. I think you are bringing in the younger guy. He fits the Seattle system, and Russ. Oh, fits Seattle! There. Kyler Murray would be awesome in Seattle. Yeah, and Russ fits Arizona's system, if anything. So he I, always disgusted. I, right I, I'm not liking this at all. He's <laughs> a in, he, we're, we're forgetting he's injury prone. He's had bad back ends of his season, back to back years. And also, he just seems like a bad vibe. Like he's not a guy that I want to. I want to bring in to lead my franchise for the next decade. I'm not saying he's not a really, really good talent, but am I going to give up the house for him when I have those other quarterbacks? I would kind of. I mean, as bad as it is to say, I would rather have Deshaun Watson, the player. Would you rather have Kyler Murray or Tua Tagovailoa? I'd rather have Kyler Murray. I'd rather have him. I mean, just the talent, talent wise, it's not, it's not close. But when you put him in that class with those four guys, where it's like. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, or Deshaun Watson. Because if you're trading for one of these guys, you're not thinking, okay, we can do something three or four years from now. We're thinking, I have a roster right now that can compete. I'll leverage the future and do what the Rams did, do what the Bucks did, bring a quarterback in and try to be that third team in a row to have a first-year quarterback come in and win a Super Bowl. I guess you do have to have dudes. You do have to do, do have dudes that can catch the ball. Yeah. Like, if I'm the Dolphins, I would rather have Kyler Murray over Aaron Rodgers. Or Tua, yeah, but like over. If I'm picking out oh, those gotcha, four, gotcha. I would rather have Kyler Murray than the older guys in Wilson or Rogers because they might not be ready next year to sure. win a Super Bowl. He can kind of grow with what yeah. with what you're trying to put together. But I if mean, I'm trying to win next year, I think Kyler Murray might be fourth on that list. Here's my point on this: I think Kyler Murray is really good. I think that Kyler Murray has a lot of work to do. I think that Kyler Murray is someone that could certainly help a team like the Dolphins, and I think Kyler Murray has more appeal than Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, because you still have a ceiling that you're trying to grow with, and you still have a guy who's young and has a long career ahead of him. Kyler Murray, if he was available, if this rift widens with the Cardinals, would you want him? Would you want him as your quarterback? Is Kyler Murray a guy you would take over a Rodgers, a Watson, a Wilson this offseason? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweet at us at KLV1063. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Lavica. I'm live on ESPN 1063. You are listening to Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. Here's Ken Lavica. I like the thought of Kyler Murray. I'm going to say it. He might be a little moody. And Theo says he doesn't like his vibe. And I get that. I get that. But I think the guy's a baller. I think the guy is a gamer. I think that he can certainly, if he puts a consistent season together, be in an MVP discussion. We know already he's a playoff quarterback. If he was available, if things continued to move towards divorce with the Cardinals, I mean, if I'm the Dolphins, I'd at least look into it, and I think it's more attractive than this continued pursuit of Deshaun Watson if indeed you wanted to continue to undercut Tua and keep looking at other (laughs) quarterbacks. But all I'm saying is that I think that it's much easier to believe in a Kyler Murray that could come in and perform with the Dolphins than a Deshaun Watson with all of the crap that would come with him. Yeah, when you factor in the the off-the-field stuff and the not even knowing if Deshaun Watson will have to go to jail or prison or Mm -hmm. be suspended for a year, like Kyler Murray is the better long-term option because you know what you're getting. Uh, But I still would contend, or at least for the Dolphins, you know what, I like that pick. 
But I would contend that for a team that wants to contend next year, I would prefer to go with one of those veterans and Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. We're just we're, we're just speculating. Those are names they're going to be thrown about as maybe quote unquote available. I got one. during the offseason. I think the Panthers might move on from Sam Darnold if you <laughs> if you if you fancy yourself a Darnold guy, <laughs> we could move him if, off for a couple if, picks. If you fancy yourself a Darnold guy, maybe just maybe Sam's there yeah. for you under the offseason Christmas tree. Sam's your guy. I wonder what the market's going to be for Sam Darnold. This not women. Hey, uh, I think we need someone to fill out the training camp roster. Yeah, I was. Like, I mean, at this point, he is going to be a backup quarterback somewhere. You reach a certain point in your NFL career no, where you're yeah. now a back. Mitch Trubisky, like you're now just a backup. And yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with he's that. He's getting paid very well next year though because they picked up that fifth year op- option. So this will mm-hmm. be his. They're, they're not going to be able to trade him. So he's no. just going to have to be a backup, making like fifteen to seventeen million. You know what? Chase McDaniel. And respect to Sam Darnold. He may not have done what he wanted to do professionally, but anytime you can be a big money backup. <laughs> That speaks to me. Perfect. Josh McCown. That, oof, I love it. That speaks to me. Future, maybe, Houston Texans. There we go. Coach. You're right. Yeah. that's the, Well, yeah, they'll have to fire Lovey Smith. Right, right. Yeah, and they'll that'll have, go over real yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> when, they, when, they, when they also fire Lovey Smith after one year and yeah. go get, the, uh, go get the, uh, the white former quarterback, that'll go exceedingly yeah. well. Yeah, then he'll go 2-15 two and, two and 15 right, and then 3-14. Right. and 14 and uh-huh. We're not patient for him. Yeah, yeah. Coley gets one year, Lovey Smith gets one year, and Josh McCown – Oh, well, year five. This will yeah. be the year that things work out in Houston. Because just like, uh, well, who's our guy? Uh, and, and Matt Rule says it uh-huh. took eight years to make Jay-Z or whatever he said. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yes, he, did. He, he made a Jay-Z comparison to himself. I forgot how many years he gave himself. But was it like five? It or? was like five. He no said, way. You know, it took Jay-Z five years to make Rockefeller. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so I, we have Jay-Z. I didn't know that. No, yeah, you got. I'll, I, I want to look find up the, find, yeah, yeah, find the I'll quote find because it. it's that's that's hilarious. That's why Matt Rule. So is still Matt our Rule coach. tried to give himself a five-year window first of all, which is funny, and then two, <laughs> Matt Rule of all people is trying to to invoke Jason. <laughs> he said, "Man, look, it took Jigga five years to make Rockefeller <laughs> records. Like I got oh, this. Like, man, I love it. Oh, that's Matt. my that's my head coach. Matt, so I'm suffering. Matt, read the room, bro. <laughs> Matt, like not you, Matt, not you. Yeah. Okay, not you. Uh, well, we'll I, I need to. I we will see that quote. We are going to find that before the end of the show because that is hilarious, and I had no idea that actually happened. Let's get to the listening lunch. The audio clips you need to hear on your lunch time here in Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast, and we react to them here on Ken Levick Alive. I am that guy, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. Stone Lebanowitz, he's Friday Night Lights. He runs this whole affair. Listening lunch, let us begin with Novak Djokovic. He did not play the Australian Open. He is not vaccinated. In fact, he got deported from Australia. Looks like French Open, probably not going to happen for him because he's not going to get vaccinated. Uh, Wimbledon, probably not going to happen for him because he's not vaccinated. He is now one behind Rafael Nadal, who won the Australian Open in Djokovic's absence for the all-time tennis Grand Slam lead. Djokovic, his first public interview since the Australian Open on the BBC yesterday. Here's a snippet of what Djokovic had to say. I understand that uh, and support fully uh, the freedom to choose, you know, whether you want to get vaccinated or not. I was never against uh, uh, vaccination. I understand that globally, everyone is trying to put a big effort into handling this virus and and seeing a hopefully a, a, an end soon to this virus and vaccination is probably the biggest effort 
that was made, probably half of the planet was vaccinated. And I fully respect that. But I've always uh, represented and, and always supported uh, the freedom to choose what you put into your body. And for me, that is essential. It's really the principle of, of understanding what is right and what is wrong for you. And me as an elite professional athlete, I've always carefully reviewed, assessed everything that comes in from the supplements, food, the water that I drink or sports drinks, anything really that comes into my body as a fuel. Based on all the informations that I got, uh, I, I decided not to take the vaccine uh, as of today. So do you have, as of today, Yes, I keep my mind open because we are all, we are all trying to find collectively uh, a best possible solution to end COVID, right? I mean, no one really wants to be in this kind of situation that we've been in collectively for, for two years. I'm part of the a sport, a very global sport that is played every single week in a different location. So, you know, I understand the consequences of my decision. And one of the consequences of my decision was not going to Australia, and I was prepared not to go. And I understand that not being vaccinated today, I, you know, I'm unable to travel to most of the tournaments at the moment. And, and that's the price you're willing to pay? I, that, that is the price that I'm willing to pay. Ultimately, are you prepared to forego the chance to be the greatest player that ever picked up a racket, statistically? because you feel so strongly about this jab. Yes. I just don't understand it for the life of me. Like, I don't. And everything that he said comes out as cohesive, and it's well thought out, but I, for the life of me, can't understand how this guy who pays such close attention to everything that goes into his body, how he cannot or refuses to listen to 97% of the medical experts in this world and just do it and keep his legacy on the line and keep his legacy intact to be the greatest of all time. This is, to me, and maybe I don't get it because we're on different spectrums of this, but I, for the life of me, cannot understand why the vaccine is the hill that Novak Djokovic's legacy and title all-time great is going to die on. I don't, 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 don't get it. Well, he doesn't want it enough, and that's that's what that says to me is he doesn't care about that as much as he cares about not getting the jab. And for me, I kind of respect it only because he's standing ten toes down on his decision as a grown man. Like, whatever. If that's for you, then that's for you. Um, it is, to me, a bad decision. It's a poor decision not only for his career but for the health of his body and those around him. Um, but it's not for me to decide. And also on top of that, I went to go check because a lot of times guys will say this because at the end of the day, it just seems like a lot of people don't like other people telling them what they have that, to do. That's part of it. You know, it's like, you're not going to tell me I have to do this. I'm going to stand for what I believe in, whatever. So cool. You're a cool guy, whatever. But I went to look up because maybe I was like, maybe he endorses McDonald's or Burger King. or Oh, one no, of these no, no, things. no, 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 no. No, this guy, I looked his resume up. He's pretty clean. No, he's gluten free. He is. Yeah. I mean, he has the most. You think that the Brady diet? is something crazy his diet is the craziest of any athlete in the world yeah and he doesn't endorse any of those weird uh, things too uh. so it's not like this is a, a ploy like i think he firmly believes this and but the it's problem bad is, advice it's bad advice well it's not bad advice he's doing it for himself he's i don't think he's advising other but, people to do but it here's here's they're they're standing for something and that's very admirable 
when the cause is something that is for the good of society or of a sane movement. Novak Djokovic thinks he's Muhammad Ali. To a section of the planet that is some of the most uninformed, ignorant people that we have seen in modern times, okay? So, while it's your choice, doesn't mean you're not ignorant, and you're not stubborn, and you're not uninformed. He's trying to be the Muhammad Ali to those people, when in reality, Muhammad Ali, not wanting to go fight a war that had nothing to do with him, was righteous. This is not a righteous cause that Novak Djokovic is putting ten toes in. You're exactly right. Now, both of you know I'm a huge tennis fan. I know a lot about Novak Djokovic. I Literally, I could recall plenty of his matches I love recently. him, the player. He's amazing. There's one thing you guys don't understand about him that I think is the, the whole cause to this. He has God syndrome. Like, he actually does. Like, the Kyrie, where he thinks mm-hmm. he connects. You mentioned Muhammad Ali. Novak, Muhammad Ali is a P to Novak. He is a spec to Novak. Like, his father and how the country of Serbia talks about him. He is God. He's to got them. the God complex. He ha- He's got the smartest man in the room syndrome. Yeah. But, but like actually God. Like when he was getting deported, the country of Serbia flooded the streets. Mm-hmm. They were looting like restaurants and, and and all these stores and stuff because they're God and they used the God word. Like Novak is God to them. So I think <laughs> like Jamar Chase, like uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Joe like Burrow is his God. His God. Yeah, so thing. Serbia, like, right. They yeah. praise Novak <laughs> like he's God and they literally use that word all the time. So I think he's standing on all 10 because he's these people's gods and, and he wants the certain crowd behind it. But it's, God complex is it for Novak. I guess for me it's just frustrating. It's so frustrating because I like I, I I've always rooted for Djokovic and now he's not going to he's not going to be the all-time great and the fact that he is going to he's going to stay firm on this that's what's going to keep him from it drives me insane also there's one thing to take into consideration these tennis players don't play in a lot of the tournaments on purpose so he doesn't care about missing the French Open that's Rafael Nadal's tournament on clay so like Novak doesn't care but he beat him he beat him in it last year yeah I mean he and he and he beats everybody but like he doesn't care like Serena uh, do, hasn't played in six months and she could give a damn but Serena's injured I mean says who I mean Her. She, she's w- could get out there and play right now like they, they choose not to play these tournaments no you said Novak doesn't care he cares more than anybody but he knows as soon as he steps on that court when it is he's gonna bust everyone's ass he well, knows that well I'm saying I didn't say he doesn't care I'm saying he doesn't want it enough he doesn't want it enough which he can't is, tell me otherwise. Which is crazy. Well, he'd rather he, be a god or whatever. These actions suggest that. Yeah, he they does do, want yeah. it. They do suggest that. But yeah. he's the GOAT. He's the greatest. There ain't nobody better. But this is also a guy, Novak Djokovic, who has spent his entire career looking for respect, his entire career looking for the same love that Roger Federer Absolutely. and Rafael Nadal gets. And I think part of this, too, is he knows when he comes back, he is going to get a face full of booze over and over and over again. And part of him, if he does go ahead and, in, in his mind, cave and get vaccinated, he is going to hear it and he doesn't want to hear it yeah and he's not built to be able to withstand it emotionally it's also too late for these guys too i do believe that for a guy like djokovic who's been standing on this so long and oh, a guy yeah. like Kyrie, yeah, yeah that chip is passed yeah now it's yeah. like because people were like oh is Kyrie gonna get the vaccine now yeah. that they got an, i'm like no it's no. too late because too if you late. do it now it's like well then what the hell right. was all of that you right. were standing on complete done deal. it's too late you're a thousand percent yeah. right listening lunch ken levick alive here on espn 106.3 matt stafford we talked yesterday about him being a hall of famer I think collectively in this uh, this room, all three of us, me, you, Theo, Friday Night Lights, hey, he's a Hall of Famer, but not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But Dan Graziano was on Get Up this morning. Listen to this. 
Uh, actually, take that back. He was on uh, with Keyshawn Johnson and Max Kellerman and Jay Will, 6 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 106.3. Dan Graziano on Matthew Stafford. Do you know how many times he's been player of the week? Three in 13 years and twice this year. Look, this is not, I mean, not everyone's a Hall of Famer, and that's okay. This guy has been, he's, he's a very good player, and sometimes he's been a great player, and, and Sunday was his crowning moment, but it does not put him in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, never an all-pro, one Pro Bowl. If you're good enough to make the Hall of Fame, you should be able to make more than one Pro Bowl in 13 years. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel bad because uh, like because this conversation has come up, we now have to sort of run down Matthew Stafford in some way <laughs> yeah. after the, the, the after his greatest accomplishment. Not if he continues to play at a high level on a good team, then the conversation can change. He led the league in interceptions. Yeah. Is that playing at a high <laughs> he level? He won the Super Bowl, yeah. I understand he won the Super Bowl. Is Joe Flacco going in the Hall of Fame? Is Nick Foles going in the Hall of Fame? Is Brad Johnson going in the Hall of Fame? The answer would be no. They are not. Dan Graziano echoing a criticism of Stafford that came from Richard Sherman yesterday. Well, Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports, he also runs the Big Lead website. Here was his response to Richard Sherman about Matthew Stafford. Richard Sherman, I'm going to name somebody for you who was not on the All-Decade team, who has never been an All-Pro, who has never been an MVP, and has never been the MVP of a Super Bowl. He's got a bunch of Pro Bowls to his name. That quarterback is Ben Roethlisberger. He's never been the best quarterback in any year he played. Is Ben Roethlisberger not worthy of the Hall of Fame? He has two Super Bowl rings. He was not the Super Bowl MVP in either of them. He's never been an all-pro quarterback. But because Richard Sherman thinks all-pro is so important, here are a couple guys who made all-pro during Matt Stafford's era, 29 to 2022. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. Common thread, there are Rodgers and Brady are two of the top five quarterbacks in the history of the game. Peyton probably is in there, and Drew Brees is top ten. Patrick Mahomes trending that way, but he's got a long way to go. Like, how is Stafford going to crack that list? I think that's perfect. Just because you're not the best player, according to the media. By the way, the same people who made the decision to keep Devin Hester out of the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. first Foul. ballot. The same people that are keeping Zach Thomas out of the Hall of Fame when he's clearly one of the best linebackers to ever play the game. Those are the same people that vote for the old pros. So we cannot, if you're Richard Sherman, if you're Dan Graziano, and they vote for the Pro Bowl as well, you can't use those people as the measuring stick for whether or not someone is a future Hall of Famer or not. Absolutely not. I refuse to go to that place and... He played in obscurity for 13 years and put up top five numbers every single year. Now he has led a team to a championship. Sorry, I don't want to hear all pros. I don't want to hear Pro Bowl appearances. Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer. My my biggest thing with this whole Matt Stafford conversation is when asked if Matt Stafford will be a Hall of Famer, I always say yes because I know what's going to happen. Do I think... He belongs in Canton. Well, another thing I would say say is the precedent that we've set, it seems like he's well on his way to Canton. Um, I do think that the the water, it, it's too easy to get a Hall of Fame gold jacket as a quarterback in the NFL right now. Like, I think... In this the, era, yeah. In this era, because of the numbers, the inflated numbers that quarterbacks are getting, and then all you got to do is win the one Super Bowl, and it's like, okay, well, I guess he's got to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think the bar is too low for quarterbacks, and I think the bar is too high for guys like Zach Thomas and guys like Devin Hester. 
So I think that's more the argument we need to have is, hey, do we need to pump the brakes, reevaluate how we assess quarterbacks and their routes to Canton versus other 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 positions? Here's the problem with that, though, is you're going to look at Matt Stafford's numbers and then see guys who are in the Hall of Fame like Terry Bradshaw and <laughs> Joe Namath, who statistically terrible. I mean, it, it, it's unfathomable that they would be in and Matt Stafford but the wouldn't only, be in. The only thing with so Bradshaw had what four rings? Yeah, he, the the rings the are rings what get, that, that's what completely validates his entire induction into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, cuz I think he had more interceptions than touchdowns yeah, in his career. Yeah, he was I, I mean his numbers are flat out average. And I would say this similarly for Ben Roethlisberger like these got Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Stafford to me were never like maybe there's a year in there where you can say they were top 3 but they were like never consistently a top 5 quarterback in the league. So it is hard for me to just gift them that gold jacket without me thinking that. Because if you're not top five in your position in the years you were playing, how can you be one of the greatest of all time? Matt Stafford's passing yards year for year give him a really good case. They're massive. Now, he doesn't have the wins. He doesn't have the touchdown-interception ratio, but he also has the Detroit fallback. He's super talented, right? Mm -hmm. He also played on a team... Everybody's giving him like a, a bump or somewhat of a handicap because he played for a bad team. The special teams and the defense were always horrendous, right? Well, if your defense is bad, that means you're getting on the field more, and that means you're throwing the ball yeah. more because you're playing but from behind. Who's so the your, o- your stats are going to be a little inflated. Who's the only Detroit Lions playoff quarterback in the last 30 years? Matt Stafford. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, there, there hasn't saying, been a playoff quarterback since Eric Kramer. I, my thing is, he, so he's going to make the Hall of Fame. I agree with you on that. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. All I say about Matt Stafford is, he's not. I don't think it's it's. I don't think it's disrespectful to say he's not just surefire Hall of Fame. He will get there because of the way that we allow quarterbacks into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But he has not had a career to me that screams, "Oh, we got to get this guy in the can today." No, but I think that it, he is more deserving than previous generation quarterbacks that have gone yeah. in. and He's better than them. And the fact remains, if you're going to use all-pro selections or Pro Bowl appearances as an indicator of whether or not someone is Hall of Fame worthy, that is so inherently wrong. Because up. a lot of it is subjective based on who's voting. And I am I know I'm tired of media being the arbiter of what's elite and what's not, especially in the NFL. And the Hall of Fame voting, once again, validated that for me. That's real. And also, I would say there the problem there lies that there's no real way to come to this objectively. Like, who would be better? The players suck at deciding who's good. <laughs> Coaches but- are, are very, very... Uh, picky and choosy and have their own like strains of views but i think it through. has to be the players it the has players, to be no 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 no. the players suck <laughs> the players they suck at it i'm sorry stone i know you're a former player and all that players suck at that theo but is shooting Le- this down lebron james wanted russell westbrook in the nba he wanted russell westbrook to come and play for him don't the nfl players uh, vote for the top 100 every year I think they do for the NFL they do. Top 100. And it's, it's hey, pretty accurate. And if you agree with that, Stone, hold on now, because, like, what, two years ago, Lamar Jackson was number one voted for the players. And just yesterday you were saying, what oh, about we Lamar? Oh, we found out you're not a Lamar guy. Yeah. yeah. So, if, so, were, so the players are right? They were just playing with the hot new toy. Oh, my God. <laughs> if the players voted <laughs> Lamar Jackson the best player in the league, Stone, and you're agreeing with the players, then you agree Lamar was the best player in the league. A year and a half ago. Yes, I agree. Okay. One of my crowning achievements of doing this radio <laughs> show is the fact that we are now painting Stone Lebanowitz's anti Lamar. <laughs> that is going to come in major <laughs> handy come the fall. Uh, Leo is in Riviera Beach. Leo, you're on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Leo? Hey, guys. 
taking my call. I, I agree with uh, Theo. It's so easy for back now to get in. But when I was calling into the Evan call a lot, I would always never Hall of Fame Hall of Fame uh, discussion came up whether Eli was a Hall of Famer or whether Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. I'm like, yeah, they got to be. I mean, based on previous quarterbacks that are in, even though he has to be, even though he hasn't basically won, won like maybe two playoff games, but I just think when you have guys like Namath in, and you know, this doesn't mean anything because I'm a Dolphins fan, but when you have guys like Joe Namath in, who literally has, like like Theo said, has more interceptions than touchdown passes, it, it's kind of like throws the argument on its head. I wish that the skill position players, I wish that the defensive players had a little bit more leeway. Zach Thomas definitely deserves to be in because if you're talking about the best three middle linebackers in the late 90s, early 2000s, you're talking Ray Lewis, you're talking Brian Erlacher, and you're talking Zach Thomas. No doubt. And people would argue, some people would argue that Erlacher is not as good as Thomas, but everybody knows that Ray Lewis is number one. But I think from every era, you should have the top three players from the position be in the Hall of Fame, but it's not like fair. that. So I think it's a dolphin. A lot of dolphins hate with the writers. I guess I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe since he, he's a, a short white guy, they don't think that he's as skilled as maybe Erlacher, who's six two, or Ray Lewis. You know. So well, I, I don't know. I, I, just, I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I think we have to outkick the guy who is trying to present Zach Thomas every year to the uh, Hall of Fame voters. Appreciate the call, Leo. Uh, so for me, uh, again, Stafford. He's going to have the numbers. Uh, Stone year by year, passing yards in Detroit. He's going to have the numbers to back it up. No doubt. No doubt. You, it, the passing numbers. He, Yeah, the passing numbers, of course. And, I mean, Theo's argument, I hear it, but, I mean, what is he to do about it? I think it's just unfair. It's an unfair argument. But his statistically, man, he, he's, so, he's the hold beast. On. So this is one thing I can say. He, so he, he's not on the all-decade team, but he's forever enshrined as one of the NFL greats. That's what we're agreeing on? So he wasn't. You even, can't be on an all-decade team yeah. if you're finishing three and thirteen every, every year. Yeah, right. Because you play for the worst organization in North American professional well, part sports. Of that, part of that just has to do with it. Like part of the Hall of Fame again. The reason why Terry Bradshaw is in there is because he won so much, won so many Super Bowls. So if that's the precedent we're setting as well, then winning has to factor in. And da- winning his just, best coach was Jim Caldwell. Da- Damian, Damian, I, I, I always bring him up, but Damian Lillard's first ballot, right? Like, of course, all Damian decade Lillard, team. Damian Lillard would likely be first ballot. And this yeah. dude will never sniff a championship. He made the Western Conference Finals. That's I mean, I great. would argue, like we were saying yesterday, Matt Stafford was too loyal to Detroit. He, he should have put his foot down five seasons earlier and said, get me the bleep out of here. But there was also another good point made that he led the league in interceptions this year. I didn't mm-hmm. even realize that. So mm-hmm. it's like... Was he really that good when we got him out of Detroit? How many interceptions did he throw in the fourth quarter this year? Zero. That's right. All right, but he still led Believe the that. Interceptions? He's, he's what a, are you talking I mean, about? Believe I mean, that. There are, quarter, time, there, are, there are quarterbacks <laughs> that have that style of play, and I'll kind of back that up. When you are reckless, when you do point to your receiver, hey, I'm going to throw you a jump ball, quarterbacks have that style. Like, they're going to throw interceptions. I, Brett Favre was a gunslinger. Right. Don't throw it, don't throw it. Oh, touchdown. Like, that's how those guys make a living. That's how Matthew Stafford is so good in the fourth quarter because he's just been so ballsy, 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 and then you dial in, and you're, and you're an animal. All right, that's people are making me late, okay? I want to make sure that uh, that Dave MacGyver Druda doesn't yell at me today, okay? But I want to get to James Harden. I want to get to Kevin Durant. I want to get to Kyrie Irving and the Nets because Bleacher Report had a fascinating story and that dynamic and how it all blew up. We'll get to that in a second. Let me tell you about EDS Air Conditioning. EDS is, yes, edsairconditioning.com. They are going to take care of your AC. It's the time of year and I, I, I don't mean to be mean 
but I'm I'm looking forward to some of you heading back north because traffic is a nightmare. Nice. But before you go back north, this is going to be the uh, this is going to be the the time that you want to take care of your AC. You want to make sure that if it's faltering, you get it fixed. If it needs to be replaced, you get it done now. Because when you come back down here and clog our roadways in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. You want to make sure that your AC is functioning. You don't want any surprises when you come back down from Quebec or come back down from New York or come back down from Jersey or Chicago or wherever you're coming in from. Your AC needs to be top-notch and ready to go. EDS is, yes, that's where they come in. Right now, you can get a hold of them, edsairconditioning.com, and they are going to make appointments based on your schedule. They're not going to hold you hostage. They know that time is money, and you don't want to be sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. That's what makes them the best. They're a train comfort specialist. It's hard to stop a train. They're using the best equipment. Hey, if you're going up north for the summer, get your AC checked out before you go. EDS Air Conditioning, edsairconditioning.com, EDS is yes. When we return, whose fault is it for the demise of Brooklyn's Big Three? He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levick. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA Sport. And proudly, for that matter, Ken Levick alive, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, Matt Stafford, is he a Hall of Famer? Now, pro football talk, Matt, uh, Mike Florio just tweeted, it's stupid to have a Hall of Fame debate about someone who still has multiple years left to play. Exactly. I don't agree with that. No, nah, man, he, he has time to fill it out. He's been in the league for like 14 years. You can at least have a legitimate discussion about it. If his career ended today, that's the discussion, right? If his career ended today, would he make the Hall of Fame? Versus like, because we can't figure, we can't, estimate what he's going to do in the next couple of years. I mean, he threw like 20 interceptions this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in. I know. I know. I understand. I understand he led the league in interceptions. I know Theo yeah. Graziano. He I led the league that. in throwing the ball to the other team. But you know what? We need to get this guy in the can. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it is It is not just about that. Unbelievable. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. All right. So... We didn't have a chance to really dig in on this, but we need to today because James Harden is now in Philadelphia, uh, announced that he's probably not going to play for another couple of weeks as he get his left hamstring taken care of. Ben Simmons just had his introductory press conference in Brooklyn. This came out via Bleacher Report. This was a little bit of an insight into the mechanisms that went into this trade and the destruction of Brooklyn's big three, quote-unquote. This is from Jake Fisher. Uh, And it reads like this. Based on conversations with Brooklyn figures and those close to Durant, it's clear the Harden blockbuster trade for Ben Simmons wouldn't have occurred without Durant's blessing. As more and more Nets personnel faced the reality approaching the trade deadline that Harden wanted out, Durant's approval mattered more than anyone else's. Quote, KD didn't want to get rid of James, one person familiar with the two superstars said, but he knew it was over. Kevin was like, bleep it. James isn't bringing bleep, another figure with knowledge of Brooklyn added. I don't think that would have happened without Kevin making that decision. For weeks, Durant had grown weary of Harden's purported commitment to the franchise. When Harden first took to the bench with right hamstring tightness, Durant was among the Brooklyn figures who were skeptical of the injury severity. 
By Thursday morning, Durant dialed Nets GM Sean Marks. While Durant had initially resisted swapping Harden for Simmons, Harden had finally forced his hand. Brooklyn's spiral of losses and Harden's freelancing behavior created an untenable situation. Quote, Kevin's the one that pulled the trigger on this, another source said. Durant's strong connection with Steve Nash from their days with Golden State played a critical role in Nash being hired as head coach. Durant consulted on every single major decision. He was instrumental in Brooklyn's drafting of Cam Thomas back in July. Kyrie Irving only returned to Brooklyn's road lineups after Durant was the one who lobbied to scrap the organization's vaccine stance to play. Irving needed to comply with New York City's coronavirus requirements still, though, at home. That may have been the final moment that Durant and Harden were aligned. Harden also wanted Irving's help and made several public jabs at Irving's vaccination status during media availabilities. This summer, Harden and Durant never entered the same gym together. Durant was disappointed by the poor conditioning that Harden sported during the early Nets practices. With Irving inactive and a greater workload heaped on to Harden and Durant, a strain formed between the Nets' two active alphas. Quote, Kyrie not being held accountable and Kyrie being allowed to do whatever he wants, with James being his age, knew he didn't have any time to waste to get his first championship. All pretty bold Insight shows that Kevin Durant was involved in all of it, even though he's publicly claiming that uh, I didn't need an explanation from James Harden. He clearly didn't need an explanation because he knew what was going on. And what was going on was James Harden was doing his checkout thing that he did in Houston and then he brought to Brooklyn. Yeah. When he's not happy, things get tough. I'm out. <laughs> That's what he, he did. He 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 did that, and it, it's so weird, and it's so striking, and it's one of the reasons why he is, though he's so talented, and he's a generational offensive talent, the guy can score any level, um, can get by defenders when he's in shape at any time in the game, except for when the playoffs hit. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I think he also is just a knucklehead and one of the hardest guys to get along with and play with. I mean, after a while, you have to look, in the mirror and figure out it's you, James Harden, right? Like, you bring in Dwight Howard, okay, we get it. He was a head case back then in Houston. It didn't work out. You bring in Chris Paul. You run him out of town for Russell Westbrook. That didn't last but, what, a year. Yeah. And then you, then you go to Brooklyn to play with the guy who might be the easiest guy to play with in all of the NBA, at least on the court, in Kevin Durant. And, it, and I read also in that article he was fighting to do more iso ball stuff instead of the uh, let the ball have energy and swing it around. Yeah. When you have Kevin Durant on your team, and then it it just was a that's why when the Nets built this team as a Heat fan, I was comfortable the whole time. Uh huh. Like you have Kevin Durant, who's moody but great, and you have Kyrie Irving and and James Harden, who are two of the most uh let's say you mercurial, can't count on them. yeah, mercurial, untrustworthy, yeah. Uh, divisive, however you want to put it. Uh, hot and cold, whatever. The personalities just don't no. click. No, not at all, and. So I'm all for players advocating for themselves. I mean, I think I make that pretty clear on a regular basis. But I'm all for players advocating for themselves when it is done in a scenario that has become untenable for that player outside of their own circumstance. And it doesn't seem like James Harden's situation, though Kyrie is wildly annoying, and we'll get to him in a second, this was not something where he was being put in a position to fail. He still had Kevin Durant coming back. Yeah. He, if he thinks he's an alpha, if he thinks he's an alpha player, can't 
you hold things down? Oh, but my hamstring. Ow. If Kevin Durant's skeptical and he thinks that that James Harden is to an extent faking an injury, that's a terrible look on James Harden, who then the insinuation is he doesn't have the guts to lead this team through a tough stretch without Kyrie or you're getting him three games out of seven and and Kevin Durant. The problem, too, though, is Harden is playing these back-to-backs. I mean, when you're in a strip club until 3 a.m., how can you expect this guy to go out there and perform the next day? I mean, I you got to have some kind of sympathy for a guy like Let that. Let him live his life. <laughs> Let him live his life. But for me, I think it comes down to a question. Who is to blame for this super team not working? Mm. Because you had KD. You had Kyrie. You had James Harden. It was unique. It put Brooklyn on the map. We sat and waited for Kevin Durant to come back. He signed with Brooklyn, didn't play an entire season yeah. to get that Achilles healed up. And you add Harden, you add Kyrie, you get to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and then before a second full season is even done, before they play more than 16 games together, that's it. It's blown up. Who is to blame for this? Because this was Kevin Durant's brainchild, it sounds like. He's the one who wanted and signed off on Kyrie and James Harden, bringing in his boys. This was KD. Well, I heard, well, it was really Kyrie that led KD to Brooklyn. It was Kyrie that, because KD was kind of on the fence of where he was going to go. And so I would so say fun, he even signed with up that, on Harden. So KD, KD aligning himself with Kyrie. Yeah, that's the and then, and then <laughs> signing off on Harden. Yeah. That's even more so damning if you're Kevin Durant, because you made the conscious decision to leave Golden State, a dynasty, mm. and do that and with a guy now who is playing in 30% of the games because he won't get vaccinated. And then James Harden, who looks like, on its face, he quit on a second team when the going got tough. You guys are insanely spot on, and I think there's one more thing to add, and it's they were the title favorites, the odds-on title favorites, the entire season up until two days ago. So that's something that I don't think, you know, they don't have to pay attention to, but, you know, Vegas and, and the odds makers, like, they were the odds on favorites to win the NBA championship all this time. They got too much talent. Yeah, there's exactly. And now it's, it's, it's gone. Yeah. Who are we blaming most for the breakup of the Nets? Who gets the most blame out of all this? Because I think it's a legitimate discussion because it has changed the complexion of the Eastern Conference and the NBA championship race. Yeah. Who is the most to blame for the Nets' big three breakup? Is it KD? For aligning with Kyrie? Is it KD for wanting to go get James Harden and bring him into the mix? Or is this all on Kyrie? Wrecking everything with his smartest man in the room anti-vaccination stance. Who's to blame most for the Nets not working? Durant, Kyrie, Harden. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Who takes on the most blame for the Nets no longer existing as we knew them? Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. 888-760-3776. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. I'm sorry, I can't shake the feeling, Theo, that Kevin Durant is the one who consciously decided to leave Golden State. Mm. Him and Draymond couldn't get along. He was moody the entire final season. He was there, apparently. But he made the decision to align with Kyrie 
Kyrie, who already, like, what are you getting from him? Mm. Where is his head on a daily basis? All right, fine, great. Hey, James, you haven't purported yourself well in Houston. Come on, let's go. Everything's fine. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be good. Hey, uh, if you could get in shape, that would be great. And then everything just fell apart. And, like, KD, the, I don't know. I think this is on him. He, I think the divorce is on him. Kyrie's an easy place to go because he's sort of a dope. James Harden's sort of, you know, he's James Harden. When things get tough, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. I, K- Katie signed up for this. He voluntarily signed up for this and helped recruit. So I have a question then, Ken. So if you, you have kids, right? I do. And let's say your wife leaves the house, you're at home with the kids, you're watching a game, and they're you know, around the house doing whatever, being knuckleheads. They break something, they mess up something in the house, your wife gets back. Who's to blame? Me. You're to blame because you're the adult in the rooms. Kyrie and K- Kyrie and, uh, and James Harden are the kids. Katie's Kevin the Durant adult is the, the adult. He's the one that allowed, not only allowed, enabled it by teaming up with Kyrie and allowing him to be Mr. Half Here, Half Not Here. Mr. I want to go uh-huh. to city council meetings during our games. And then, and then <laughs> James Harden, <laughs> who we know comes into camp out of shape often yeah. and then knows that he can throw a powder or a hissy fit if something doesn't go his way and force his way out of places. He did this to himself. The way this Bleacher Report story reads out is that, and there's no surprise here, Kevin Durant is the guy, the number one, the alpha, if you want to use that term, in the Nets locker room. And the fact that it fell apart, that's on KD. He's the one who's pulling strings. He's the one who has the direct line to Sean Marks. He's the one that's trying to address concerns with James Harden. He's the one who is going to bat for Kyrie to be able to play in away games. Yeah. This is on this is on KD. KD is the general manager, head coach, and the star player of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Nothing happens without him saying it's okay to happen, and that's what the report lines out. We already knew that. Yeah. There's a reason why Steve Nash is the head coach. There's a reason sure. why James Harden was the guy that they went and got, and there's a reason why they now are fixing all their woes, thank God, by bringing in Ben Simmons, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's okay. We Everything's good. Ben hey, Simmons. The Nets are just fine. Ben Simmons and his outside shot with his six feet, oh, yeah. they're good. Oh, Everything yeah. is going to be just <laughs> fine. You know what's going to be just fine tonight for me is heading down to the Heat, Heat Mavs tonight, mm. and it'll be here on ESPN 106.3, by the way, with uh, coverage starting at 7. But uh, I'm going to be heading down there on the only way to get to the Heat game at the buzzer beater train with Bright Line. Skip the traffic, get to the Heat like me. Bright Line, the smarter way to skip traffic, get to the Heat. The Heat buzzer beater train allows you to stay until the last shot. I'm getting get there uh, probably around 7 for the 7.30 tip. I'll see the game, see a Heat win, get on the train, head back. Life is good. Get ready for the show tomorrow. Brightline's buzzer beater trains lets you skip traffic, get to and from FTX Arena, so you're there in time for tip-off and stay until the final buzzer. I'm going to be train-gating tonight. Not tailgating, but train-gating with Brightline. I've got premium, by the way. I gobbled up that premium. You know what that means? I'm going to get to the Fort Lauderdale station, get a couple of drinks, get on Brightline, (laughs) make sure that I have a couple of drinks uh, delivered to me on the train. It's like first class. It's like sitting first class. Get to the heat game. Life will be good. Love me some bright line. Also the best way to get to South Florida's biggest events like the Miami International Boat Show through the 20th at the Miami Beach Convention Center and the South Beach Food and Wine Festival February 24th through the 27th. Get all the information you need at GoBrightLine.com and on the Brightline app. Speaking of the Mavs, speaking of Dallas, uh, Joe in Jupiter on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Joe? 
Hey, how y'all? I'll, I'll be quick. I don't even have a lot of time. Oh, good. Real quick, I want to touch on your, uh, you hit a pet peeve of mine earlier on. I used to run sports bars in management many, many years ago. Okay. For many, many years, probably for a place just like y'all were describing earlier with beautiful TVs, beautiful sound. I even hosted a Super Bowl a couple of times. Never would I talk over anybody. And I wanted to make sure that if they're coming there to watch a game, and now you really don't get that a lot, if you're coming there to watch a game and you want to hear it, you need to be able to hear it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just an annoyance. If it's just on in the background and you're hearing people talk, I'd rather watch it at home. And, say, and that, happens, that happens a lot. You know, people don't want to turn it up as managers because they're going to offend somebody. Well, you know, it's, but people kind of know that when they're going into it. If you, if, if you come there to watch a game, I want to be able to hear it. Yeah, it's a sports so bar. Like, my... I don't understand why you wouldn't turn the sound up on sports, but that makes the whole bringing in a DJ thing that much more, that much more mystifying. And oh, that yeah. DJ thinking That's ridiculous. that he <laughs> is the main attraction oh. during the Super Bowl. I was twinging just hearing y'all talk about that. I couldn't call in at the time, but yeah, oh my gosh. What was his problem? But anyways, <laughs> agree completely. And I'm jealous of you now. You mentioned yesterday you're going to see my Mavs and Luca and the Heat tonight. I've never seen him live, but you realize, I don't know if you followed, his last seven games, I just went back seven. He's got 45, 51, 33 twice, 40 once, and 34. Yeah. And the one game he didn't, he scored 19, and he's got two triple-doubles in there. Wow. You're going to get to witness the history of Luca tonight, mm. and I'm, I'm jealous of you. So hopefully you can talk about it later on, on just seeing what he looks like live. Not literally looks like, but his game. <laughs> and the sad you. thing is he's probably going to score 60, and the rest of the team's going to score 30. That's, That's our problem. Uh, yeah, nobody else can score for it. They've been playing so. well. Appreciate you, Joe. Uh, you know what I'm banking on tonight with Luca? Yeah. South Beach flu. Let's get it. Give them that bright. Let's get, let's get it. it. Give, give them that fine line. Actually, you know, yeah, you know they're two point favorites. Let's get right. on the bright line. Let's get a let's get a bright line fine line here. So Tyler Hero not playing tonight, right. For the Heat, what has that done to the line, Stone? Um, well, Jimmy Butler is questionable, and that's what's brought it down a point. Okay. So it sits at two right now. Sits at two. It was at three and a half when I woke up this yeah. morning. So it's at two. So uh, where is Stone Labanowitz's money going tonight with the bright line, fine line, Heat and Mavs? I, I think it's tricky. You know, I asked everybody in the office, and no one gave me a definite Why answer. Did you ask everybody in the office. Well, I mean, well, no, he, he asked JMP, Heat fan oh. JMP. <laughs> that, JMP. That's everybody like, in the office. He's like, go with the Heat, and I'm like, yeah, I, right. So because <laughs> th that, I'm a little scared, and because of what um, Joe and Jupiter, you know, just told us about Luca's, uh, you know, most recent games, I I'm gonna fade the Heat here. So my bright line, fine line, is the Mavs plus two. Okay, the Mavs plus two. That's Stone Labanowitz's bright line, fine line. And again, I'm getting down to FTX Arena in style tonight. GoBrightline.com or the Brightline app. Make sure that. If you want a stress-free ride, maybe you like sitting in gridlock traffic on 95 or the turnpike on the side streets. Maybe you like that. If that's your thing, fine. Uh, but if you like to be able to kick your feet up, have a drink, unwind after work, go to the heat without getting stuck on 95, well, then you should take Brightline. Brightline, go brightline.com. Big, fast, yellow trains. You can't beat it. Stations in West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami. That's Brightline. Go Brightline. Dot com. Uh, the DJs, I'm glad we've... Uh, DJs, uh, this, again, this is my message before we go. It's not about you. Okay? Like, if you've made it in the industry and a club pays you a lot of money to go be the feature DJ, then I suppose it is about you. But there is no circumstance at any sports club, a sports bar, I should say, any sports bar where you're the main attraction. Ever, 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 ever. Yeah, and if you're the type of guy that it is on the flyer or is promoted by this bar or club, you know... 
how to how to navigate mm-hmm. that already. So mm-hmm. we we don't have to talk to those guys. Yeah. It's the guys that's getting hundred and fifty dollars to go DJ at the local <laughs> sports bar. Hey, is that the going rate? Jets. Well, for some, for the smaller places, yeah, it depends. It, it's an hourly rate. Every DJ has their own rates. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interception. I can't believe oh, that. You got to pay more for the commentary. Too. <laughs> I mean, Al Michaels ain't cheap. <laughs> uh, that is absolutely. Maybe that's Al Michaels' next move. He's not going to be an NBC. He's oh, actually wow. just going to go DJ at sports bars. We know. And, we know where to send them. Yeah, yeah. Al's got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 Fort Lauderdale. We've got your guy. Okay. I uh, want to thank Theodore CWP TV News Channel Five WFL. Fox 29. Stone the Banowitz Friday Night Lights. I'll be back tomorrow with Jeanette Javier for her Wednesday appearance. Ken Levig Alive, ESPN 106.3.